0: How's everyone doing out there? I think I've already got Nicholas asleep, so it feels a little normal today. This is the first Sunday. This is the first Sunday where some of you will probably be, well, some of you probably don't miss being live, but this is already the first Sunday you don't want to be here. Uh, it's currently 78 degrees in the sanctuary, and i uh, guessing it's going to be getting hotter from there, uh, so we continue to miss you. Especially when you bring the fire, which luckily I, uh, probably won't happen today. <laughs> Vacation is starting, and so this is a pre-vacation sermon. I, um, how, many, how many out there, either show of hands in the room or in the comment section, would call yourself basketball fans? we got like two in the room. I am the biggest Portland Trailblazer fan. Have been since I was a kid, since... Back in the day, the 89 and the 92 team, Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, Jerome Kersey, Buck Williams, Kevin Duckworth, Danny Ainge coming off the bench, Robert Peckman. Um, I love basketball. I have been enthralled with uh, the NBA coming back in the last week or so, or actually a couple weeks, at the bubble, they call it, in the Disney campus in Orlando. Um, It's been fascinating my blazers when the season ended were they weren't having a great season they had had some big injuries and so they found themselves in the outside of the playoffs if you're not an nba fan what you need to know is at the end of the season the top eight teams in the western and eastern conferences make the playoffs they were not in the top eight but the nba decided since this is a weird year let's bring not 16 teams to the bubble and do a playoffs let's bring the top 22 teams And let's give those teams that were just outside the playoffs a chance to win their way in to the playoffs this is going somewhere by the way for those of you who are falling asleep so my blazers have played eight games and they won their way yesterday was the play-in game and they won their way into the playoffs starting tuesday in the first round they will they will face lebron james and the los angeles lakers down goes king james if you've watched or paid attention, the way they did that was their best player, who's probably one of the top five players in the NBA right now, Damian Lillard went off. He, he won the Most Valuable Player of the Bubble uh, Award. He, I think, had two back-to-back 50-plus games. He may have gotten 60 in one of those, I'm not sure. But he was, he was just crazy good. By the way, Pastor Regina, if you're watching this back, please ask your husband if he uh, is totally loves the fact, I know he's a Blazer fan as well, he's uh, loving the fact that the Blazers are being talked about during a sermon. He, Damian Lillard killed it. Every game they played was close. It came down to the wire and the the person that put them over the top in nearly every game was Damian Lillard until yesterday. Yesterday during the play-in game to see who would officially get that last spot when I was supposed to be writing a sermon, (laughs) I watched the game and they came down to the end of the game in fact at one point they were down four or five points it was what we blazer fans called dame time only when it came down to it they did this interesting thing when Damian Lillard was supposed to be dribbling and taking the shot he passed the ball and he passed the ball to their second best player CJ McCollum who it was three or four possessions in the row at the end of the game the time you most want Damian to shoot CJ took the shot if you follow on the Blazers which I did again probably late at night when I was supposed to be studying for a sermon I was reading on Blazer websites and 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 the story was told Damian Lillard told it was essentially he had a deep sense of the moment and the game and his fellow compadres he was playing with that in this moment he needed to pass the ball. CJ was the one to take the big shot and he just needed to be part of the team. Now, let's see if you like this segue. I'm getting ready to go on vacation and I have a deep sense, by the way, I'm not saying I'm just Damian Lillard or the best player on the team. So every, every metaphor breaks down. I'm like the 10th like person on the bench who didn't get in the game, but I know the metaphor breaks down, whatever. Um, I don't want to take the big shot today, so I'm going to invite Pastor Terry, Pastor Sarah, Pastor Mark, and the marvelous Minister Laura to come to the stage. Laura's eyes are glaring at me right now. Come get a stool. Come get a microphone. Um, Sarah, if you're over there, I'm going to sit right here. You three, there's three stools. There's mics. Uh, Bring your coffee. This is going to be fun. Thank you, Tabitha, for that good job. Today, um, the, our, our sermon, I, don't, I probably should know what time it is. What time is it? Oh, good. We have plenty of time. Just what everyone wants to know. <laughs> the text today is supposed to be the stoning of Stephen. Um, the stoning of Stephen. When I was a youth pastor and in a youth group, and I, uh, I talked to one youth group Bible study about the stoning of Stephen, one of the teens said, wait, they did drugs in the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Are we still good, Shay? Is it okay? Okay, Um, so today we're going to talk about the stoning of Stephen. It's from Acts uh, 6 and 7. I'm going to not read the whole thing because that's crazy long, and nobody wants to read through that. I'm going to read about five or six verses in chapter 7. You might want to go back this week and read the story for yourself, and then I'm going to ask some questions. and, uh, And then we'll be done, and you all can shoot me for bringing you up on the stage. You have permission. Or stone. You can stone me. Stone you. That fits in with the story. But I don't. Acts chapter 7. And I'm going to be reading someday. Maybe I'll come back from vacation with glasses. I am going <laughs> to be reading verse. Oh, let's just go. Verse 54. Once. <laughs> He's trying to read the Bible, Laura. Once the council members heard these words, again, Stephen had given a really long sermon. I know you out there would know nothing about having to sit through really long sermons. Once the council members heard these words, they were enraged, and they began to grind their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen enabled... We, can,
1: we can do the background in all those sites. Oh, no, we're, <laughs> not do, we're not
2: doing noises. <laughs> you invited us, so you have
1: to... <laughs> <laughs> Let's not try.
0: That would probably not go very well on the live stream. Oh, dear goodness. But Stephen, enabled by the Holy Spirit, like I'm going to need to be with these folks up here, start, stared into heaven, and they saw God's majesty and Jesus standing at God's right side. He exclaimed, Look, I can see heaven on display. And the human one standing at God's right side. At this they shrieked. Ah! (laughs) And they covered their ears. Oh man, you guys are Sarah, you're not participating. Oh, Oh, that's (laughs) they covered their ears. Together they charged at him. They charged at him. Don't charge. They threw him out of the city, and they began to stone him. Again, for all the millennials out there, that's not drugs. The witnesses, dead silence in the room. The witnesses placed their coats in the care of a young man named Saul. Dun, 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 dun. And they battered him with stones. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, accept my life. Falling to his knees, he shouted, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Then he died. Saul was in full agreement with Stephen's murder. This is the word of God for the people of God, from the people of God.
3: Thanks
2: be to God. God.
0: Now, before we get serious, I want to ask a question both to my compadres up here uh, as well as to all you on the live stream. So feel free to type your answer in. Can you think of a character in a television show or a movie that died that you thought was for you the toughest death you had to experience in a movie or television show that you liked.
2: I'll go back for old people like me, Grandpa Walton.
0: Who's wait, wait. Who? on the Waltons. Dies? Who's Grandpa, Walt- oh, Grandpa Walton? Spoiler On the Waltons, oh, a, a, the Waltons a
2: very famous drama show Who in is? the 70s. Good night, Jason. And he actually died in real life. Can I marry between on? season 6 and 7, so when it came back to season 7, they had to deal with the fact that Grandpa had died.
0: What's the show called?
2: The Waltons.
0: Oh, I've heard of that.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So glad you've heard of that.
0: I've heard of that. Never seen it. Okay, Grandpa Walton. Grandpa Walton.
4: Who else? Rick Grimes, The Walking Dead. But is he? Well, if for all practical purposes. Did you
0: cry during that episode? Oh man! I was like a river. I was bawling. Rick Grimes, The Walking Dead. Who else?
2: Who? Uncle Ben for Spider-Man. Uncle
4: Ben and Spider-Man. Uncle
0: Ben and Spider-Man. Any tears, Jay? No, just really sad. Okay, just really sad.
1: Who else? Uh-oh. I was thinking of President Lincoln, but... President kind of, Lincoln? That's kind of a... Oh, dear. Um... Were you there for that, Terry? I didn't know that. Maybe he no, was. Wow. <laughs> I watched Whoa, the show. impressive. No, I think, uh, I think Spock. Spock?
0: I was wondering Spock? that this morning. Okay, question. Spock this this, this raises the question, because you are old enough to have seen it when Star Trek 3 came out, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing you had to wait a while for Star Trek 4 to come out, so at the end of Star Trek 3, when Spock died, did you think that's it?
2: Oh. It's well, never I it on television. Except for Grandpa Walton. really Yes, Krista. I don't want to spoiler alert. Uh oh.
0: Because it's a more recent show. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is us. Jack. That's a tough one.
2: The death of the crockpot.
0: Philip says, The needs of the many. Phil, did you think Spock was coming back to, to life? In chapter four? Yeah, I agree, Jack. I would say for me, it's Glenn. Laura J Glenn would that be a good yeah. one or oh, no that's no right up there. Herschel Herschel in The Walking Dead and anybody red, else and
3: the red-headed dude I would agree with Jack Pearson but then my thought though was The Princess Bride is one of my favorite movies oh dear so Wesley but turns out he was only mostly As dead <laughs> oh Phil
0: Phil with a great answer he says The Enterprise
1: yes in uh-huh. Search for Spock thank you Phil that's a great <laughs>
0: Dale, yeah, we've got a lot of Walking Dead references. Anybody else? But you knew they were
1: going to recreate it. Just go with the next letter. Okay.
0: Star Wars, Harrison Ford. Wait, he he died? (laughs) No. Oh, just kidding. Nicholas, yes, before we continue. Robin Williams. Robin, that's a real person.
4: (laughs) Does Mork die? For for those. (laughs) For those no. who
0: aren't in the room, you just need to know Nicholas gave a Nicholas kind of answer. I want that's to, good, though. I it's want good. to.
4: We do miss Robin Williams, for, I sure. I wanna, for sure. I I wa- want...
0: Kristen says every oh. character is on Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. McDreamy. McDreamy. McDreamy.
3: dies. Oh. <laughs> Did you not know that? No. Oh. I haven't finished it yet.
0: Sorry. Oh.
4: We, we've
0: ruined so much today. I'm sorry. Okay, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> The reason i start there is i think sometimes within scripture and you guys are going to help me fill in the gaps real quick even though i didn't prepare you for this (laughs) sometimes within scripture many of us have grown up so accustomed to these stories that we it's kind of like watching lost again for the seventh time you know where it's going so it loses some of its charm and so i think one of the helpful things is to try and go back and think about stories like acts much like a, a tv show that you don't know where it's going so imagine Imagine like if Acts was a season, maybe the the first season of this television show would have been Acts 1 through 8, and so maybe uh, after the mid-season finale, maybe the mid-season finale would have been Ananias and Sapphira, where you got a death, but it's not death of really important characters, but it's enough to be a little shocking. You come back in the mid-season premiere, and you're introduced to this new character Stephen, and he's growing on the show really fast. He seems to be one of those characters you're going to want to stick around. He, he, he's pretty likable. He's, he's giving himself to justice issues. He's taking care of the, the Hellenistic widows. And, and it also says in there somewhere that there's a lot of wonders and signs that are coming out of his life. So we really like this character. But as this season one of Acts moves to the finale, you get to the, the last two, um, one or two episodes. And it's usually not just the finale that's good. It's usually those last couple episodes. Sometimes they shock you. And they put the death on the episode before the finale. And, and so you get to those last couple episodes, and this season is building to a climax. And in the climax of this episode, this character who we've grown rather attached to is arrested. So let's fill in the gap um, for some of us. Uh, do you remember some of the issues in play for why Stephen was arrested? Isn't this great that I didn't really yes, give you a, a warning?
1: There's a couple of back by the way i didn't
0: tell uh I, they, this was not something that was on yeah, all our radars
1: a couple of backstories one of them is uh i always it's interesting to me that paul saul because he was both um depending on if you were to referring to him as a hebrew or as a roman um, saul paul was um was a student of gamaliel and i'm sure a prize student of gamaliel and Gamaliel. Mm-hmm. And gamaliel uh, it is more liberating in this story, and he had just counseled them not to uh, not to offend God by opposing the Jesus people, because it may be from God. And yet, you already have this under okay. If we can't kill them in front, we're going to go behind, and they're developing a whole strategy based on a very conserving tradition uh, that Paul is in. Uh, but it, but it just the tensions between him and Gamaliel, I think, would be an interesting backstory. Yeah. Well, isn't it? It's threatening the temple, isn't it? I mean, yes. it's threatening their security because
2: he keeps speaking of this Jesus and this idea that they have, that he is going to destroy what, what is comfort to them. And like you said, what me plays a lot into who we are today. Um, they contrive this whole thing to trap him. They incite people. They have false witnesses. They have everybody come to try, try to rally um, the groups of people around with fake news, basically to say we got to get rid of this guy we've got to say all these things that aren't even necessarily true because it's so threatening that the things that he's speaking of jesus
4: and it wasn't just that it wasn't just threatening their comfort zone in the moment but it was it was threatening one of the central pillars of judaism the temple And, and so they're taking the whole concept that Peter was teaching that was from Jesus and his life and saying this guy you know this guy says that he's gonna destroy the temple that's that was shocking and offensive yes. and horrible you know and so
2: yeah and not I only think, central to also, go ahead sir.
3: Um, I mean he's rocking the boat there for sure but also Stephen is like the face of the compassionate side of Christianity where he's like he's leading the people in serving the widows and you know and serving people food and so it's not just that he's a proponent of like this new way of thinking and believing but he's like getting to people's hearts and it's
2: threatening their power. That's yeah. what I really think is well, a real root. To root to underline that. Underline is power. We're, we're losing our power with the people.
1: The, one of the things that Stephen does in, in the sermon he's preaching there, and I can't recall the phrasing, but I understand that he uses a phrasing that specifically come out as, comes out of the Essene community and, and says that, it, in essence, and the Essenes had rejected the temple. Because they had rejected the leadership in the temple, and so he's using their critique, their way of describing the holy temple and and their stewardship or lack thereof, and that is the, the deepest offense. I think. So, it,
3: sorry, one more thing is that in addition to the power, it's also like he's the one taking action too, because you know the the Christian leaders are looking for people to lead, the, like the doing, the serving, and so he's like the face. Of action
0: this is so much fun i've got four pastors plus myself I, and i've got like three questions i want to get to so this is hope we're you weren't see. planning on leaving um, today <laughs> so uh, first first observation yeah mom if you could go start lunch and we'll be here in a couple hours. <laughs> um, first observation i do find it interesting within this text that you have stephen who comes out of that hellenistic community was which was certainly within even the jesus tradition not the community of privilege we saw that earlier and if you even compare the jesus tradition coming out of judaism they were the community that didn't have the privilege or the power the, the, the judaism did they had the relationship with rome where rome had given them some space and so you have this tradition that holds the power they're able to in a sense arrest him and put him on trial in ways that are unjust And Stephen here is essentially speaking what we would call now today truth to power to a mob that will ultimately lynch him. Mm -hmm. How is it or what is the space for us in the church in our modern context to inhabit um, a place that speaks to issues of justice that speaks to issues of the kingdom that speaks to issues of love that speaks as many say truth to power but but in a posture of love and a posture of the kingdom of god or do you want to go first
4: well i'm i'm just literally thinking of um you know <laughs> how to say things and how not to say them <laughs> to start with just on the on the surface of things one of the things that always kind of makes me giggle is um i think stephen could have used a course from mama june because you know they say uh, they say to him are these things true are these statements the accusations true and he launches into the world's worst or the world's longest sermon best sermon the world's longest sermon and when he gets to the end of it he has spent that sermon drawing connections between the mistakes that their ancestors made you know, in, in betraying the path that God had for them. And he draws that perfect conclusion. It's a, it's a segue into saying, you guys are making the same mistakes, but he kind of does it by saying, you know, you blockheads, Why are you, you know, like shape up you're being idiots. And so he is like, he does this great rhetoric of building common ground and everything. And then he just kind of gets drives that thing at the end, you know, where he's like seriously calling. And so I guess my uh, initial thought would be, how do we call out injustice in a way that
0: doesn't get a stone,
4: that, that doesn't get a stone, that how do we call out injustice and speak truth in a way that that allows for the dialogue to continue, not necessarily for self-preservation, but for the sake of the dialogue and for sake of the peace. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah, I want to talk about the opposite side, I'm building on that though. Um, I, my question is how Judaism is a, was a faith tradition and is today a faith tradition that allowed safe place for people to disagree. Mm-hmm. Debating is their way of theology, they're closing that down here. They're, they're saying you can't say these things. And that's a violation of the spirit, even in that time of Judaism. And there's a loss in that. So the question, I think, for the church is, how do we create safe place for voices that, we, that are atypical, that call to attention our sins, call to attention our weaknesses, or add new light to old scriptures?
0: Is that part of... I mean... Is this part of why the scriptures become so uh, formative and inspirational and that that Stephen uses their ancient story and their ancient ancient liturgy to enter into the dialogue and bring them to a place? And and could this be part of why we seem to be having so much trouble in our own context as we've moved so far away from scripture and, and no longer have this grand narrative that frames for us a way forward?
4: See you know to see ourselves in the story to see that this story is our story and this is you know this is where where we come from and we can learn from the ups and downs and mistakes and strengths of of our forefathers.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I don't think it's, we move too far from scripture. I think the problem is we've like the Pharisees made it too mechanical and too institutional in letting instead of letting scripture breathe and renew and speak a, a new word.
0: My next question comes from a Bible commentary. And if you don't read from a Bible commentary in one sermon, I don't know what you're doing. This uh, is coming from Matthew Skinner. Uh, I believe he's a professor at Luther Seminary. I want to read a quote. Um, And and this is talking about, uh, kind of segueing from this initial conversation um, about justice and and having a a voice in those type of conversations uh, to um, critiquing our own... Uh, critiquing the church, critiquing our own religious community. Uh, Matthew Skinner says, idolatry worships a creation instead of the creator. Idolatry loves symbols more than the things to which the symbols point. Idolatry satisfies itself with knockoffs and shadows. Idolatry imagines God can be contained and therefore controlled and owned because idolaters think they know where the treasure resides. They allow no alterations to their maps and they punish explorers with violence if necessary. Stephen's speech to the high priest warns about idolatry when it re-proclaims God's dwelling as encompassing all of heaven and earth, not limited to a temple on a hill. He does not say the temple in Jerusalem is inherently idolatrous, but implies that some, including a core group in his audience, have come to treat it in an idolatrous manner, giving it outsized importance and becoming unable to glimpse other places in ways where God has promised to be present. Pastor Mark Woodward. Um, You and I have talked a lot about this season where the church in many ways have been forced out of our buildings. Is there any sense, I mean, I I think I know the answer, but in what sense have we created an idol out of our church buildings and out of our Sunday morning gathering? And and, and in what sense um, might this speech from Stephen be also a speech to us to say, this whole Jesus tradition you're a part of is so much bigger than an hour on Sunday morning in a building in Wallingford, West Seattle, or Beacon Hill.
2: I think we run the same risk as the Jews of that day mm-hmm. that Stephen is speaking to. And, and some of it is very understandable. I, I went to a Nazarene church growing up that was the same church that my grandparents went to in that not only becomes my central place of belonging and worship and spiritual formation but it then also becomes a place of how we be together. So that's, that's the place my mom and dad were married. That's the place my grandparents' funerals were at. That's the place I was brought to as a two-week-old infant and dedicated to the Lord so the place itself begins to take on some of these moments. And then it sometimes becomes a revered um, thing that can become an idol. So we have to be so careful of, just like we have the same kind of feeling if, I was very fortunate to have my parents live in the same house for 28 years from the time I was six. So that house has a special place in my heart still that I still have a picture of. And I still, every time we go to Richland, I force my family to drive by the house at 1109 Comstock Um, because that's, it holds my memories, it holds. So I I think partially what we do as the church is when it is so intrinsic that every um, giving of the spirit is from within the building, then that building even has a higher place. And we haven't done real well of the royal priesthood of believers. And that you carry the spirit with you. And Jesus saying, those that encounter you because you know me, they encounter me. And, and that comes back sometimes to that whole structure of power. There have been and still are those moments as the church that we want to keep that power within the doors and the walls. Um, and, and so I think we have to be mindful. And what COVID has done is it's forced us to no longer have that community place. So we have to see how are we the church rather than how do we even even the community yeah how are we how are we community tell the story
0: um we're all reading a book by tim sorens i forget the title of the book um everywhere he tells a story about his son and a rule they make in their house about how they can refer to the church you want to tell that story
2: tim and his wife have two boys and they basically don't allow their children to ever use the phrase we're going to church and that is just their way to train their boys as they grow that that church is not a building that we go to that is not what encompasses church but we are church so everywhere you are is church and i know that's semantics and someone go well that's you know we go to church we yes but just to think about that and how we we kind of intrinsically build that into our vocabulary that we that is why we, we dressed differently when we went to church, we, all these things, because it was, it was holy. It was, But if we can ever wrap our minds around that everywhere we step, this is, I believe, what Stephen is saying that God said in the Hebrew scriptures, that building doesn't contain me. It doesn't mean I'm not in that building. He never said that like Sean just said. But what it's saying is I'm not only to be found there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I cannot be contained. It says, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord. In other words, we, we can't build anything that would contain him and only be there.
0: From, from one mark, I'll go to you guys in just a like, From one mark to another, Mark Amisqua says, church, capital C, versus church, lowercase c.
4: Well, and I was just, I was just going to tag on a, just a quick, mostly just to underscore, but not only does God not hang out exclusively behind stained glass, but when we, and and this is a, a realization that I think has kind of, uh, well, we're, we've, we're
1: spending a lot of money on, <laughs>
4: yeah. and, and and it's beautiful, it's beautiful, but I hate to break it to you, God doesn't just live here, oh. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think, I think that's one of the potential blessings of this, uh, this COVID pandemic is as we've not been able to meet together, it's forced us to ask these kind of questions and to say, what, you know, what is the church as so defined? And, and uh, our first calling is not to be in one building. Our first calling is to plant the kingdom of God wherever we are. And to and to spread the love of the gospel wherever we go.
2: It's interesting too that within the Nazarene tradition, I know you're taking history and polity of the Church of the Nazarene currently. But in our beginning, so Pastor Laura's the expert right now. She is the expert, but I'll, I'll I'll teach you right now. Um, <laughs> but but in the beginnings of us as a denomination, the statements were made: we must have places that we can meet the needs of people. That's was the whole purpose of having a building, having a place, was so you could meet the needs of people of your community, of your parish, and then it says in which we can also worship,
1: which is a very oh, Catholic the, idea, actually, right? That, the idea we, of a parish, is.
0: We, which so like you think about how are we supposed to do that in COVID? I I, I view it, and I don't know if this is possible, but I think we've done play space, which we've just blatantly stole from you and your genius. Um, But we can't really do play space at least the way we've done it over the last few years where we would just have the doors open for three hours on a Tuesday and Thursday and people come in and let their kids play in our nursery. Um, But is there a way to if we had a bunch of people who are ready to clean? open it up to to maybe no more than two families scheduling a block of time and then somebody coming in and sanitizing it in between. I mean, is there a way in between to still use our spaces as a gift for the kingdom in creative ways that maybe actually take more work, but if we're going to truly embody the kingdom, that work is worth it? Not saying that's the idea, but.
1: (laughs) One last thing, if I may. One
0: last thing, then we're going to move to one more quote, and then we're going to wrap it all up because my stomach's growling.
1: Your question implies Philip's statement in here uh, makes explicit that reminds us that this is the memory of the church and Luke is writing to the church not to the Jewish community primarily and one of the messages here is everything we've been saying but there's a more pointed message by illustration that I think he's making first is you mentioned that they falsely accused him they falsely accused Jesus you gotta talk louder I think by the way. they falsely accused uh, Stephen but they also falsely accused Jesus, mm-hmm. and he's drawing that distinction. Jesus crucified himself by saying, I am. Mm-hmm. Stephen crucified himself by saying, I look and see Jesus at the right hand of God. Stephen says the same, Father, forgive them. And so I think whatever else is said, Luke's point is, wherever you are, be like Jesus.
2: And I think also his point is, being like Jesus, you may end up dead.
3: Yes. Yeah.
2: And we don't like that part of the story. I don't.
3: Yeah, I don't like
0: that part. My professor from my uh, New Testament class, uh, Professor Thompson, uh, he wrote a Bible commentary. I want to read one more quote, um, ask a question, we'll give each person a chance to answer, and then we'll wrap it up and have communion. He says, Stephen's speech is not the denunciation of the temple, and this is very much picking up on the one I read earlier. It's not the denunciation of the temple or the Jewish law, per se, as his accusers alleged, Rather, he speaks against Israel's ongoing disobedience as seen in her leaders' use of their religious fixtures to hide the truth about God's saving purpose in Jesus. The Jewish religious leaders expected God to conform to their religious institutions and entities. They tried to domesticate God, to exercise authority and political power even over God. Stephen's speech serves to challenge their presumptions that a transcendent God can be contained with a sacred place or a particular parcel of land and regulated by a powerful group of self-appointed people, revealing instead this God to be making choices at every turn and fulfilling the promise of Salvation, I'll stop there because if I read too much of a commentary, people will probably log off. Sarah, let me go to you first. Whenever we talk with people, we always share our presumptions, the things we know, the things we've come to believe, and, and inevitably we share those things because we think we're right. And I know I, I think I'm right about a lot. How do we how do we walk the fine line of having deep faith? Assured faith, faith that shapes who we are, how we live, how we embody the kingdom, but also doesn't cross a line into domesticating God into who we want him or her to be. How do you go about protecting that line for yourself, and how do we do that in the church?
3: If I hear your question correctly, I think I would say that we we do tend to try to fit God into a box in the shape of who we think he is. And we make God too small. Um, And I think it's important for us to, to be in community with other believers so that we get a wider perspective of who God could be. That doesn't mean we're going to agree with everyone's opinions, but we have to be able to listen and to, to really hear what other people think and to be able to sit sometimes with the unknown and let God speak who he is to us without trying to project what we think onto him. Yeah.
0: Anybody else want to tackle that?
2: Well, something that's hit me as we we talk about what Stephen is saying here is I also think and this might get me stoned. I, I think we <laughs> as Christians we don't have drugs also do that, more. with the idolatry that we could place on the place that we meet we can do the same with the book that we read.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: The 66 books compiled in our Bible we are not worshipers of this book.
4: Amen. Come on. Amen.
2: We are worshipers of a triune God. Yes. And we need to be careful because sometimes we worship a book rather than a being. The Father, the Son,
0: and the Holy Scriptures.
3: Yes. (laughs) I heard the term recently, um, ecclesiolatry, Mm. meaning idolizing the church. And I guess you could say the same, I don't know, it would be like bibliology, bibliolatry. (laughs) We also um, belong to a
4: tradition THAT EDUCATES THE DAYLIGHTS OUT OF THINGS. Yeah. Um, WE HAVE KIND OF A HISTORY OF HAVING A COGNITIVE APPROACH TO GOD. WE KIND OF THINK OUR WAY TO SALVATION. WE THINK OUR WAY THROUGH OUR THEOLOGY. NOT THAT THOUGHTLESSNESS IS is A GOOD THING EITHER, BUT WE, um, SO TO ANSWER YOUR QUESTION, HOW DO I NAVIGATE THAT, um, I HAVE ASKED GOD TO HELP ME Um, embrace the mystery of who he is and to to find rhythms in my life that aren't all about you know holding seminars for god in my prayer in case he forgets what's going on or or regurgitating my theology and prayers but just sitting in his presence and that opens up for me um and it's a dance i think it's a lifelong dance i don't think we ever get there it's we don't dance it's it's a it's a it's in aerobics, and we <laughs> we can dance we, now. Was that Such a safe a dance one? Now. And we, um, but but so, um, so that so that God doesn't become domesticated because when you sit and in the mystery of who God is, you know He's way bigger than any of our any of our statements or thoughts could ever 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 even begin, and so you just find yourself going you know wow
1: what got Jesus into trouble was not that he did liberal good things in the temple healing people on the Sabbath but that he claimed to be the temple Mm -hmm. and he claimed to be the Sabbath and he claimed to be the law what will get us into trouble in the same way is if we take the claim of the word seriously and become Jesus small c when that means that we have to follow him and recognize that where we are present, for the good or ill, God is present. And that means that our eyes have to be on Jesus and we have to know the word to be on Jesus. And he will take us into very uncomfortable places, especially places the church doesn't want us to go.
0: Uh, that's really, really good. Mark um I don't know what your problem is. But uh, you keep saying, uh, good point, Mark, good point, Laura, good point, Mark, good point, Laura. I haven't heard, I haven't seen a good point Sean yet.
2: But you are part of the team that's winning the oh, game, so. Hashtag winning.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, and to close this up before we come to the table, I think that the, the final point that I think is beautiful, and I don't, well, I'll give you guys, you can each have 15 seconds to close it down, um, is if you look at the way Luke tells the story, he has painted Stephen in the mold of Jesus, so if you follow Luke, I have another commentary, but I won't open it up now, Um, but if you follow the way Luke tells the Jesus story, Stephen also fills in that same mold, in the same way that uh, Jesus is accused, Stephen's accused, in the same way that they take Jesus outside the city to kill him, Stephen's taken outside the city to kill him, Stephen's clothes are—they do something with his clothes—in um, the same way that Jesus, uh, or says, you know, receive my spirit. Stephen says, receive my spirit. In the same way that Jesus says, Father, forgive them—they know not what they do. Stephen prays a prayer of forgiveness for those who are chucking rocks at his face. And I think ultimately, Luke is trying to tell the church: if you want to know what God looks like, right, you got to look at Jesus. But if you want to know who the church is also supposed to look like, don't look farther than Jesus. We. We are supposed to be a people that don't just have a religious tradition that takes us to a building once a week for 45 minutes or an hour and a half or three hours if Sean's really preaching. (laughs) But we are a people who are supposed to follow our entire beings in the way of this Jewish rabbi, Jesus. Any last thoughts? pengy has got a question. Question Question from the crowd. I'm not sure this is allowed, Pengy, but this is you, so... The body of christ he the question if i heard him correctly the question he asked is the church good or bad my answer would be the church is called that we are called as a community to be the body of christ in the world and certainly having gatherings and liturgies and things we do communally are important mm-hmm. but they're important so far as the spirit is moving us to now be the kingdom embodied in the world but if they like this become the end unto themselves then i guess that is when
2: it becomes so bad. i think it has the potential both in a physical building and in a people gathered to be a very wonderful gracious blessing to everyone around and to the way the kingdom works and then it also has the potential to be something very destroying
4: and as as church we do We do exist with several identities we are an organization that's kind of how we flow that's how we get the ministries to work sometimes and and there are um other hats that we wear but i think in any time we get one of our other identities say our organizational identity ahead of our primary identity as the body of christ Mm -hmm. then that's where um idolatry happens and um malfunctions of all sorts happen that we are called first to be his hands and feet in the world and to and to plant the kingdom that's our first calling
2: and i want to suggest that laura your professor that's teaching your your teacher of your class should just right now pass you to the end and give you a day
0: thank you mary thank you mary for telling me that i had a good point i don't think i made one but i accept (laughs) uh everyone said Amen. amen amen